0: Chapter Twenty Two of The Dust Flower by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter Twenty Two. It was Steptoe who discovered that the little back spare room was empty, though William had informed him that he thought it strange that Madame didn't appear for breakfast. Steptoe knew then that what he had expected had come to pass, and, if earlier than he had looked for it, perhaps it was just as well. Having tapped at Madame's door and received no answer, he ventured within. Everything there confirming his belief, he went to inform Mr. Rash. As Mr. Rash was shaving in the bathroom, Steptoe plodded round the bedroom, picking up scattered articles of clothing, putting outside the door the shoes which had been taken off on the previous night, digging another pair of shoes from the shoe-cupboard, and otherwise busying himself as usual. Even when Mr. Rash had re-entered the bedroom the valet made no immediate reference to what had happened in the house. He approached the subject indirectly, by saying, as he laid out an old velvet house-jacket on the bed, "'I suppose if Mr. Rash ain't going out for his breakfast, you put this on for home.' Mr. Rash, who was buttoning his collar before the mirror, said over his shoulder, "'But I am going out for my breakfast. Why shouldn't I? I always do.' Steptoe carried the house-jacket back to the closet. "'I thought as rash only did that so as madame could have the dining-room to herself, private-like.' As a way of expressing the fact that Allerton had never eaten a meal with Letty, the choice of words was neat. "'Well, what then?' "'Oh, nothing, sir. I was only thinking that as madame was no longer here.' Allerton wheeled round, his fingers clawing at the collar-stud, his face growing bloodless. "'Madame seems to have left us.' i suppose that after i had gone upstairs last night mr rationer must have had some sort of understanding and she went went allerton's tone was almost a scream leaping on the old man he took him by the shoulders shaking him damn you get it out what are you trying to tell me septo quaked and cowered why uh, nothing sir only when william said as madam hadn't come down to her breakfast i went to her door and tapped and there wasn't no one in the room uh, "'Mr. Rash had better go and see for himself.' The young man not only released the older one, but pushed him aside with a force which sent him staggering backwards. Over the stairs he scrambled he plunged. Though he had never entered the back spare room since allotting it to Letty as her own, he threw the door open now as if the place was on fire. But by the time Steptoe had followed and reached the threshold, Allerton had calmed suddenly. He stood in front of the open closet, vaguely examining its contents picked up the little gold band, chucked it a few inches into the air, caught it, and put it down. He looked into the little leather purse, poured out its notes and pennies into his hand, replaced them, and put that also down again. He opened the old red volume lying on the table by the bed, finding the little mermaid marked by two stiff dried sprays of dust-flower, which more than ever merited its name. When he turned round to where Steptoe, white and scared by this time, was standing in the open doorway, his face was drawn in mingled convulsion and bewilderment. With two strides he was across the room. "'Tell me what you know about this, you confounded old schemer, before I kick you out!' Shivering and shaking, Steptoe nevertheless held himself with dignity. "I'll, "'I'll tell you what I know, Mr. Rush, it ain't very much.' "'I know that madame has had it in her mind for some time past "'that unless she took steps, Mr. Rash should never be free "'to marry the young lady what he was in love with.' "'What did she mean by taking steps?' "'I don't know exactly, but I think it was the kind of steps "'that would give Mr. Rash his release quicker nor any other.' "'Allerton's arm was raised as if to strike a blow. "'And you let her?' "'The old face was set steadily.' I didn't do nothing but what Mister Rash himself told me to do, told you to do. Uh, yes, Mister Rash, six months ago, the morning after you brought Madame into the house, I was to get you out of the marriage. You said, but I think Madame has done it all of her own accord. But why? Why should she? Steptoe smiled dimly. Oh, don't Mister Rash see? Madame would give herself to him, heart and spirit and soul. "'If she couldn't go to the good for him, she'd go to the bad. "'So long as she served him, it didn't matter to madam what she'd done. "'And if I was Mr. Rash?' "'Allerton's spring was like that of a tiger. "'Before Steptoe felt that he'd been seized, "'he was on his back on the floor, with Allerton kneeling on his chest. "'You old reptile, I'm going to kill you! "'You you, you may kill me, Mr. Rash, "'but it it won't make no difference to madam having loved you.' Two strong hands at his throat, choked back more words.' Till the sound of his strangling startled Allerton into a measure of self-control. "'He scrambled to his feet again. "'Get up!' "'Steptoe dragged himself up, and after dusting himself with his fingers, "'stood once more passive and respectful, as if nothing violent had occurred. "'If I was Mr. Rash,' he went on imperturbably, "'I'd let well enough alone.' "'It was Allerton who was breathless. "What, what, "'What do you mean by well enough alone?' Well, the why I see it, it's this why. Mr. Rash is married to one young lady, and wants to marry another. He broke off to ask significantly. I suppose that'd be so, Mr. Rash. Well, what then? Why, then, he can't marry the other young lady till the young lady what he's married to sets him free. Now, that young lady what he's married to has started out to set him free, and if I was Mr. Rash, I'd let her you let her throw herself away for me?' "'I'd let her do anything what showed I know my own mind, Mr. Rash. "'If it wouldn't be stepping out of my place to say so, "'I wish Mr. Rash could tell which of these two young ladies he wanted, "'and which he'd be willing for to—' "'How can I tell that when, when both have a claim on me?' "'Yes, but only one has a climb on Mr. Rash now. "'Madam has given up her climb so as to make things easier for him.' There's any one climb now for Mister Rash to think about, and that makes everything simple. An embarrassed cough drew Steptoe's attention to the fact that someone was standing in the hall outside. It was William with a note on a silver tray. Beside the note stood a small square package tied with a white ribbon, which looked as if it contained a piece of wedding cake. His whispered explanation was the word "wild goose." but a cocking of his eye gave Steptoe to understand that William was quite aware of wading in the current of his employer's love affairs. Moreover, the fact that Steptoe and his master should be making so free with the little back spare room was, in William's judgment, evidence of drama. "'What's this?' Glancing at the handwritten note on the envelope, and taking in the fact that a small square package looking like a bit of wedding cake stood beside it, Adderton jumped back. Steptoe might have been presenting him with a snake.' i don't know mr rash william has brought it up some one seems to have left it at the door as steptoe continued to stand with his offering held out aderton had no choice but to take up the letter and break the seal he read it with little grunts intending to signify ironic laughter but which betrayed no more than bitterness of soul dear rash i have come to see that we shall never get out of the en passe in which we seem to have been caught unless someone takes a stand. I have therefore decided to take one. Of the three of us it is apparently easiest for me, so that I am deftly breaking our engagement and sending you back your ring. Any claim I may have had on you I give up of my own accord, so that as far as I am concerned you are free. This will simplify your situation and enable you to act according to the dictates of your heart. Believe me, dear Rash, affectionately yours, Barbara Walbrook. Though it was not his practice to take his valet into the secret of his correspondence, the circumstances were exceptional. Allerton handed the letter to Steptoe without a word. As the old man was feeling for his glasses and adjusting them to his nose, Mr. Rash turned absently away, picking up the volume of Hans Anderson, from which the sprays of dust-flower tumbled out. On putting them back, his eyes fell upon the words which someone had marked with a pencil— Day by day she grew dearer to the prince, but he loved her as one loves a child. The thought of making her his queen never crossed his mind. A spasm passed over his face. He turned the page impatiently. Here he caught the words which had been underlined. I am with him every day. I will watch over him, love him, and sacrifice my life for him. Shutting the book with a bang and throwing it on the table, he wheeled round to where steptoe having folded the letter was taking off his spectacles well what do you say to that what i'd say to that mr rash it, it's as good as a legal document if any young lady who wrote that letter was to bring a action for breach this year piper and nailer so where am i now uh, free as a lark mr rash one young lady has turned you down and the other has gone to the bad for you so if you was to begin again with a third you'd have a clean sheet he groaned aloud, oh go to the without stating the place to which steptoe was to go he marched out of the room and back to his dressing upstairs more dispassionate was the early morning scene in the little basement eating-house in which the stunted hebrew maid of polish culture was serving breakfast to two gentlemen who had plainly met by appointment beside the one was an oblong packet of which some of the contents half displayed had the opulent engraved decorations of stock certificates. The other gentleman, resembling an operatic brigand, a little the worse for wear, was saying with conviction, "'Oil, don't talk to me. No, sir, there's enough oil in Milligan centre alone to run every car in Europe and America at this present time. Well, if you include North Milligan, where it's beginning to shoot like the old faithful geezer!' "'Awfully obliged to you, Judson,' the other took up humbly. "'I thought that bunch of nuts had never—' Oh, so did I, Gory. I've sweated blood over this job all winter. Queer the way men are made. Now you'd hardly believe the work I've had to show that lot of boneheads, that because a guy's a detective in one line, he ain't a detective in every line. Homicide, I said, was Gorry Laurabin's speciality, and where there's no homicide, he's no more a detective than a busted rubber tyre. <laughs> you said it, Gory corroborated earnestly. One of the cussed things about detecting is that fellows get afraid of you think because you're keeping up your end you might be down on every little thing, and that you ain't a sport.' "'I must be hard,' Judson said sympathetically. "'I'll tell you it's hard. Lots of fun I'd like to be in on. But you're kept outside.' The drawbacks of the detective profession not being what Judson chiefly had on his mind, he allowed the subject to drop. An interval of a silence for the consumption of a plateful of golden toasties permitted Gorry to begin again reminiscently. By the way, Judson, do you remember that about six months ago you was chewing over that girl of yours and what had become of her? To himself, Judson said, That's the talk. Now we're coming to business. Aloud he said, Why, yes, yeah, seems to me I do. She's been gone so long I'd almost forgot her. Well, what do you know? Last night let me see, was it last night? No, night before last. I kind of got wind of her. Heaven's sake! guy I know was coming through East 67th Street, and there was my lady, dressed to beat the band, leading one of them little toy dogs, and talking to a swell toff that lives in one of them houses. Got the number here in my pocketbook. While he was searching his pocketbook, Judson asked breathlessly, Couldn't be no mistake. Ah, it's Nick's on mistakes. That guy don't make them. Surest thing on the force. He said, Good afternoon, Miss Gravely, and she said, Good afternoon, back to him. Just like that. "'The guy walked on and turned a corner, but when he peeped back, "'there was the couple going to the house just like husband and wife. "'What do you know?' "'What do I know? "'I know I'll spit his carrot for him before the week is out.' "'Ah, here it is. "'Knew I had that address on me somewheres.' "'He handed the scrap of paper across the table. "'That's his name and number. "'Seems to me you may have a good thing there, Judson, if you know how to work it.' "'In another early morning scene, the ermine was cleaning her nest.' "'and you know how fastidious she is supposed to be as to personal spotlessness. "'The ermine in question did not belie her reputation, "'as you would have seen by a glance at the three or four rooms "'which made up what she called her flat. "'Nothing was ever whiter than the woodwork of the flat and its furnishings. "'Nothing was ever whiter than the little lady's dress. "'The hair was white, and even the complexion, "'the one like silver, the other like the camellia. "'Having breakfasted from white dishes placed on a white napkin, he was busy with a carpet-sweeper sweeping up possible crumbs. In an interval of the carpet-sweeper's buzz she heard the telephone. "'Hello?' the male voice was commanding. "'Yes?' the response was sweetly precise. "'Is this Red Point 3284W?' "'It is.' "'Can I speak to Miss Henrietta Tull?' "'This is Miss Henrietta Tull.' Uh, "'This is the Brooklyn Bridge Emergency Hospital. Do you know a girl named Letitia Rashley?' There was a second's hesitation. "'I was once a lady's maid to a lady whose maiden name was Rashley. I think there may be a connection somewhere.' "'She was found unconscious on a car in the subway last night and brought in here.' "'And had she mentioned me?' "'She hasn't mentioned anyone since she came to, but we find your address on a paper in her pocket.' That seems singular, but I expect there's a purpose behind it. Is that everything she had? No, she had forty five cents and a thimble. A thimble? Just an ordinary thimble. Yes, an ordinary thimble, except that it has initials on the edge HT from HS. Does that mean anything to you? Yes, that means something to me. May I ask how to reach the hospital? This being explained, Miss Towel promised to appear without delay, begging that in the meantime everything be done for Miss Rashley's comfort. She was not perturbed. She was not surprised. She did not wonder who Letitia Rashley could be, or why her address should be found in the girl's pocket. She was as quiet and serene as if such incidents belonged to every day's work. Dressed for the street, she was all in black. A mantua covered with bugles and braid dropped from her shoulders— while a bonnet which rose to a pointed arch above her brow, and allowed the silver knob of her hair to escape behind, gave her a late nineteenth-century dignity. Before leaving the house she took two volumes from her shelves, read first in one, then in the other, sat pensive for a while, with head bent and eyes shaded, after which she replaced her books, turned the key in her door, and set forth for Brooklyn Bridge. End of Chapter 22.